and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast. We are the podcast that gives you full-blown movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and fan castings, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And we've got a spooky episode for you. Super spooky. Our Halloween episode. Uh, we are going to do the 1990 film The Witches. We are going to also review the mid-90s show Goosebumps and do a casting of modern horror movie monsters. I think uh, we got some good stuff here. A lot of There's a lot of more recent monsters. In our last Halloween episode last year, we did like the kind of the universal monsters, like the classics, the creature from the Black Lagoon, Frankenstein, the mummy, Dracula, that kind of shit. Yeah, the good old boys. Yeah, the good old boys. And, oh, wait, we should cast the good old boys from Blues Brothers. That would be <laughs> <laughs> These horror monsters are the ones that really fucking gave me nightmares as a kid. You know, we're doing like the Freddy, the Michael Myers, like the, that kind of group, the Jason. So I, I'm, I'm excited for some of this casting. I think, I, think, I think I've nailed it on the head. I think I've nailed it on the head like a machete to the brain. Some of my awesome casting on this one, just throwing it out there. Well, I'm glad you're confident in yours because I'm not really in mine. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm even if I'm not, you know, internally, I'm trying to trying to evoke confidence to, <laughs> to make it seem like it. But yeah, I mean, some some more confident than others. So and uh, yeah, we're going to get into The Witches. The Witches is a show that I or is a movie that I definitely remember uh, watching quite a bit as a kid. Uh, but we'll get into that, I guess, more coming up pretty soon. But it came out in 1990. 1990 just seems like an awesome year. Tell me, John, what awesome things happened in 1990? <laughs> well, I mean, we've talked about 1990 a couple times already. Uh, just a few more things of note. Kathy Bates won Oscar for Best Actress for uh, a really great, oddly enough, kind of thriller horror film. Not a horror film, but definitely a thriller uh, called Misery. Yeah, that movie will fuck you up. Yeah. She is so good and so scary in that film. Yeah, I mean, and the, the what's scary is like, you know, everyone knows the scene where she takes the sledgehammer to James Caan's foot. Mm-hmm. And what makes that scene so scary is how nice she is while she's doing yeah. it. <laughs> she just sort of has this like sweet little, almost sweet little old lady persona. And then she takes a sledgehammer and basically turns his ankle sideways. Yeah. I mean, well, she's his biggest fan. Yes. <laughs> like, you know, because that's what you do to the thing you love the most. You destroy it. Yeah. If any of our fans out there are thinking about doing that shit, just calm it. All right. <laughs> I, I'm not, I am not ready for that. <laughs> but hey, I appreciate your listenership. Keep it going. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, the Grammys that year, Best Female Rock Vocal Performance, uh, went to a song that uh, actually our dad uh, had on heavy rotation in the car, and that was uh, Black Velvet by Alana Miles. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think Dad was uh, slightly in love with a lot of Miles because just how much he played that song. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's funny. It's one of those ones that I got sick of as a kid, and then now go back and listen to it. I love listening to it. Yeah, it's a damn good song. She's got kind of like a deeper voice, and so it's one that I every now and then will pull out for karaoke. I'm not good at it, right. but 
it's one I kind of I kind of enjoy doing because it's a it's a pretty fun song. Yeah, it's fun. And uh, lastly, the record for the fastest coast to coast flight was held by an SR seventy one Blackbird, which we talked about when we talked about the movie Daryl. Uh, and on March sixth of nineteen ninety, uh, the two pilots flew from L.A. to Dulles International Airport in sixty eight minutes and seventeen seconds. Damn, damn. Uh, it would be nice if the flights were that fast. <laughs> Yeah, how come we can't get that kind of service now? It's I been know. it's been uh, damn near thirty years. We should be able to to get that. They should have enough uh, SR seventy one Blackbirds, you know, to cover commercial <laughs> flights across. It's right, damn it. As much money as we spend on the defense budget, we maybe should be able to get a couple of free flights on the, out of that. Yeah, and that was uh, nineteen ninety. All right, nineteen ninety has come and went, and we are now gonna sink our teeth into the witches. As we mentioned, Witches out in 1990. This film was directed by Nicholas Rugg, R-O-E-G, Rugg. He's done plenty of other things, but not a single thing that I've seen. Uh, so I'm done talking about the director. Uh, this <laughs> film <laughs> this film was based on a book by Roald Dahl um, of the same name. Every child has read some uh, Roald Dahl books, you know, Matilda... God, he, I can't, he has so many, I can't even think of them. Oddly enough, I've never actually read any of his books. Really? Yeah, I've only just seen the movies. Oh, well, well yeah, there's some pretty good movies. So, yeah, fuck, fuck reading people. Just watch the movie, and uh, it's, it's, you get pretty much everything you need. I honestly, in high school, <laughs> I read so little of the books that I was supposed to for my, uh, my literature classes. Um, honestly, I probably did spark notes the most out of anything. <laughs> I loved, I used SparkNotes and I had to rush that shit all the time or would watch a movie. Yeah, so. I, I hardly read most of what I had to as well. I And I wasn't smart enough to get SparkNotes. I just, I just <laughs> bs my way through it. Just a little bit of BS and you're fine. You had decent grades, so that worked. Yeah, good enough. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And now you're a music teacher. Yep. And now I'm teaching your children. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm teaching them music, which was something I actually did study for. Yeah, that's a lot harder to BS. You can't really BS that as much. Uh, if you can't play, you can't play. Yeah, exactly. This film was executive produced by Jim Henson. Jim Henson Productions, you know, they worked on the puppets and the prosthetics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think mostly, yeah, the puppets, though, there's a lot of a lot of rat puppets in this film. <laughs> yeah. The witches starred Angelica Houston as the Grand High Witch. And uh, Rowan Atkinson is the other major name mm-hmm. as kind of the hotel manager. And then... The other kind of two main characters are the grandma. Grandma! Grandma! <laughs> fucking A, man. I, every time he fucking said grandma, it just pierced into my brain. But anyway, uh, that was May Zetterling, uh, who has been in a lot of stuff, but she's a much older actress. And she passed away about four years after this film came out. I think she passed away in 94. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, she's she's been in a bunch of stuff. And then Luke, the main kid, was played by Jason Fisher, who he only has three credits to his name. I know, but but there's incredible credits. They are fantastic credits, and they're all going to be films that we talk about. Yeah, he had one of his credits was The Witches. He also he was in the movie Hook. 
fucking awesome film. Classic. We'll definitely talk about that. Yes. And then also uh, a highly underrated film, uh, a highly underrated Steve Martin film, Parenthood, which is really good. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah. And I specifically remember him from Parenthood. I, yeah, I did too. And I actually, I, it was weird. I loved that movie as a kid, which is really weird because it deals with some kind of adult, uh, yeah. adult topic. I just remember really liking that movie as a kid. Same with you. I mean, obviously we probably watched it together yeah, I'm sure. when we were younger um and and maybe it was on like usa or tnt or something uh but in general yeah i re- really remember watching it and really liking that movie so and it's one i honestly i have not seen since i'm a kid since i was a kid yeah so i'm really excited to eventually watch parenthood again <laughs> yeah yeah i agree so we got to get that up on the list a little bit a little bit sooner i know we got <laughs> we got a whole bunch coming up but this film opens with some really cheesy kind of green title cards and some and some music uh, and we're kind of flying over these snowy mountains it's a worthless opening scene uh, or opening <laughs> credits like yeah i don't really know why we were were we supposed to be a witch flying over the mountains maybe i can't really tell couldn't really tell yeah it didn't make much sense no but uh, then we kind of get this narrator slash we find out it's the grandmother telling us all about witches and she's just kind of like really giving us some exposition about oh witches are real and kind of giving us these scary stories that they're evil and witches could be anywhere and all they want to do is plot to kill children like that's all they live for is killing children (laughs) uh scary scary fucking grandma yeah (laughs) yeah and she tells uh, her grandson Luke the story of this girl uh, who was ended who was her best friend uh, who was taken by a witch when she was younger. Then the grandma does probably the scariest thing to us and maybe you as a father. She lights up a cigar, yeah. <laughs> right? Fucking yeah. nice kid. She's just like puffing away. I know. I, it, and it happens a couple times. We're just out of nowhere. Stogie. Yeah. Light. Yes. <laughs> It's not even like a thin little black and mild. I mean, it's not like a huge fat one. Right. But it's like a middle middle of the pack yeah. cigar that she is just, she keeps puffing them. Yeah. I find it hilarious because there's no way in hell they would have a grandmother light up a cigar in a film today. I know. Unless she was like, yeah. She's European, so it's yeah. a little bit different. I guess so. I found that hilarious. Yeah. But yeah, we get lots of just exposition, lots of backstory on the witches in this early scene. Uh, we find out that they have like a purple twinge to their eyes, that they have no toes, uh, things like that. And then we get like this creepy story of the girl that was taken, that the grandmother talked about, that she showed up in this painting. She was like in the painting, basically. Yeah. You know, not like Harry Potter style, where they... <laughs> We're moving around and could talk to you, but like she was just like stuck there in a position, and then when like you turned away or the next day or something, she would be in a different position. But she also aged until the person in the painting aged so much that she died and she was out of the painting. So it's just like, oh man, that's a fucking terrible curse. See, that to me was like the creepiest part of this whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> the idea of something in a painting that moved, but it only moves when you when you're not looking. Mm-hmm. Like that's that part of it is just, uh, scary, and I'm, I'm going to kind of equate this to something that you've probably never seen, actually. Uh, there's an episode of Doctor Who, I think it's just called The Angels. I forget exactly what the title of it is. Any Whovian fans is going to kill me for not remembering. <laughs> but it's the first time we're introduced to one of these adversaries called The Angels, and they're basically angel statues, but they only move when you're not looking at them. 
Oh, I feel like I've, I've, I've never seen this, but I feel like I've heard of this. This is a pretty big, like, episode, like a well-known episode. I think it's called Blink. It's either Blink or Don't Blink is the name of the episode. But they never show the angels moving, ever. They only show them when you've turned around and see them. But when they get close to you, their demeanor changes from an angel to, like, this demon-looking thing with these huge needle teeth. It's really unnerving. I wouldn't go so far. It's not a horror thing it's just like an intense thriller thing and okay. i got that that the whole thing with the painting was like the same i'd like to, to have a paint <laughs> even if it was like a friend or a family member the idea that they're in a painting but they're moving around but you never see it happen is just creepy yeah i don't that scared me more than the witches <laughs> that scared me more than the witches <laughs> Luke's parents uh, go out. They're going to go out for like dinner or something. So they, they head out for the night and the grandmother kind of basically she just keeps telling Luke. We just get more just kind of backstory on the witches. Uh, we hear about how they can smell kids and how kids smell like dog shit uh, to the witches, <laughs> which I think is kind of funny. Yeah. But it's now the morning and we wake up and the parents aren't in their bedroom. Oh, shit. Uh, we lost the parents pretty quickly. They apparently died in a car crash or I, or something. This is a trope that I think gets used a lot. Oh, parents dying? Yeah, well, like, it happens kind of like at the beginning of Jumanji. Oh, yeah. I mean, even like Frozen, the beginning of Frozen. You have the parents and then they die and then that's the rest of the movie. I mean, it's a it seems like a thing that forwards the plot a lot in a lot of movies. This is totally not related, but have you heard the theory that the parents from Frozen are actually the same parents that crash-landed and fathered Tarzan. I have heard that theory. That Tarzan is is a just a distant, is a, not a distant, but is a brother of the Frozen girls. And that the shipwreck that Ariel swims into is the same ship that they were on. That's pretty cool. I mean, I don't know if any of that's actually true, but it's, I, like, I like that kind of intertwining shit. Yeah, I do too. And that's why Marvel's movies are way better than DC's movies. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Woo! Shots fired. Uh, so we've got some dead parents here. That's a very DC thing to do. Uh, dead <laughs> yeah, parents. it is. But anyway, yeah. Uh, but we've got our dead parents. And so the grandmother takes Luke to England because she has a home in England. Um, apparently she's a pretty rich grandma. I guess. So she's taking him to England and we just get him playing in his treehouse. And right away, there's just this creepy witch. Uh, she's obviously a witch because we see these purple eyes. Yeah. She's kind of comes up kind of to the treehouse and she's trying to entice him into stranger danger. Basically, <laughs> she's, she's basically like, come down here, little boy. Come play with this fucking snake. Like, that is creepy. Yeah, she pulls a snake out of her bag. Yeah, what the hell is that? Like, no kid is really going to like not think that that's obviously fucking creepy. I know. But here is where Luke is calling for his grandma. And it's so annoying to me. His voice in this just only when he screams for grandma. It really annoys me. Other than that, I think Luke is super cute. Yeah. But right here, I, I want to fucking put an ice pick through my ears so I don't have to hear him say, Grandma! Grandma! Yeah, he's, he's kind of high-pitched. Yeah. Grandma! 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 Uh, he kind of just shoots down the witch, and he's smart enough because I guess he knows not to not to go near the witch. And so she ends up getting kind of chased off because uh, the grandmother is coming. We find out that it's Luke's birthday and the grandma gets him mice as a present. He's a weird kid. Apparently he wants mice as a present. But at this time, she faints and the doctor checks her out and he diagnoses her with a mild case of diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> I have never heard that. 
get a mild case of diabetes. I'm Wilfred Brimley, and I'd like to talk to you for a few minutes about diabetes. Diabetes, diabetes. Yeah, that's exactly basically what the doctor said. I was like, oh, don't eat as much sugar and go get a holiday and rest up and you will be cured of your mild case of diabetes. <laughs> maybe maybe that's how it works. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I don't know. I know you can be diagnosed as pre-diabetic, but uh, I've never heard of mild diabetic. Mild, mild, mild diabetic. Well, the grandma, uh, our cigar-smoking grandma who knows all about witches, uh, she is mildly diabetic. <laughs> uh, so they go so they go because the grandma needs to get, you know, some rest and relaxation and go on holiday. They head to the ocean. Uh, they go to this big ass hotel when they pull in uh, and they get out. There is another car right behind them where Angelica Houston gets out and we can tell something's fucking going on because there's like this ominous music right when she gets out of the car. Kind of cool and just sets us up that, OK, here's here's going to be our main villain, obviously. Yeah, we kind of find out that she is this this massively important person. Apparently, she is the head of the Royal Society for the Prevention of cruelty to children, uh, which I thought was kind of funny. Yes, <laughs> a little ironic uh, twist there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously the witches hate children, but they're covering their tracks by pretending that they're uh, they're protecting kids. I also found it was funny. I looked at the sign for their little convention center, their convention hall. Uh, it said it was only the fifth national convention. I was, I'm kind of surprised that it was only the fifth. You know, yeah. like these witches have been around for probably hundreds of years, and this is only the fifth time that they've gotten together. <laughs> for this convention i mean maybe they maybe they cover their tracks in different ways or something maybe they maybe like every five to ten years they change the name of the the thing or whatever it is otherwise it's like why the hell didn't you do conventions earlier you know you witches got to get organized if you really want to kill kids you've got to get together and you've got to get set planning and you've got to you know make people accountable and like it's it's there's a whole project management side of how to kill a kid properly and you know <laughs> if they did it right you know they could have wiped out kids way earlier I'm just saying. I like how we're diving into the organizational <laughs> faults of a kid's movie. You know, I uh, proper planning is important to me. <laughs> proper planning and organization, people. Yeah, that's going to be uh, my side podcast that I've got. <laughs> uh, so Angelica Houston's character is uh, Ava Ernst. She is also, I'm just going to throw out there, she is the Grand High Witch. Yeah. She is, I mean, this movie doesn't really, it's not really a surprise that, you know, she's a witch. They kind of make that obvious with the music and everything and the purple eyes with everybody and whatnot. Um, but so there's only one grand high, which basically she is, she is the, the, the bottom bitch, if you will, <laughs> meaning, meaning she's actually the person in charge. Yeah. She is the, the top of all the witches. She does this really creepy thing that ties back to the painting as she's kind of like walking through the hotel. She goes up to this painting and she taps on this little kid that is in the painting and then kind of walks away from it. And then the kid disappears in yeah. the painting. And it's just like, oh, fuck. That was obviously someone was cursed and trapped in that painting. And it just it yep. pulls back to that previous story and it's just creepy as fuck. Yep. Uh, very quickly, we meet this little chubby kid, Bruno. Who, t to me, was really annoying. <laughs> he he reminded me so much of Augustus Gloop yeah. uh, from Willy Wonka, which is another Roald Dahl uh, book, I believe. Right. And it just is basically the same kind of character. Like, oh, I just, I love to eat. That's all he thought about. And he was just kind of annoying. And he just loved eating and, and being fat. And that was that. Yeah. And I can tell you, it's not fun being fat. So, Bruno, don't do it. Stop it, man. Yeah. Join a gym. Get 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 yourself early. Yeah. 
says the fat guy. <laughs> and I'm referring yeah. to me, not Adam. Yeah, well, we're, we're the fat and the fatter guy. <laughs> That's what it is. We should start a sitcom. That would be the worst odd couple ever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He likes to eat. He really <laughs> likes to eat. And they have to live together. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty sad. I can tell you where that I can tell you where it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be on the CW. No. No, they're way too gorgeous. Oh my god. We'd probably be on like uh USA. Yeah, yeah, USA. Or uh TV Land. TV Land. I was thinking like Spike. They they might allow Or like Fuse. Oh yeah. One of the yeah, we would not be like uh original level cable. No. We'd be sent down a couple pegs. Yeah. Uh so we're back at the hotel. <laughs> uh one of the cleaning ladies uh, sees Luke's pet mice um, and kind of freaks out. Uh, and so kind of Rowan Atkinson has to kind of basically tell them to get out. But the grandma being a badass basically talks her way out of it and they right. get to keep their mice in the hotel. Kind of get a, a, a thing that they, they don't really address this all that much. I think we have to kind of discern this, but the grandma recognizes the Grand High Witch. She At this point, she really can't tell where, uh, but she knows she knows her from somewhere, which we don't like get exactly where this is from, but I think it's probably pretty obvious that she was probably the witch, you know, that captured her best friend when she was a kid. Well, and she said something about having a run-in with a witch because she shows that she's missing a finger. Yeah, we see that she battled a witch. At There's one history point. there. We just don't know what it is. Yeah, at one point, Angelica Houston says, talking about the grandma oh, she's just a former adversary. Yeah. And that's all we hear. Is that so, so they have fought each other. They, they've they somehow fought each other. We don't get that history. Like, was she the uh, witch from way back when that killed her best friend? Right. Or was she some other witch that the grandmother tried to fight and ended up, you know, losing a finger because of it? We don't get that story. I wonder if that probably could be a pretty cool story in its own right. But Have you read the book for this? No, not at all. I wonder if it's in the book. Yeah, that might be interesting. Yeah, it would be from something interesting to explore. I don't. You couldn't really like base a whole movie around it. Uh, you know, if you had a really good writer, I'm sure you could base a whole movie around it. But uh, well, John, uh, if you want to read the book, then we can do another uh, bonus episode all about <laughs> how the book relates to the movie. So let us know, John. Uh, pass. <laughs> I got too much other shit going on. Yes, me too. Uh, Luke goes exploring around the hotel. He's trying to find a place for his mice because he wants to play circus with his mice he's trying to train them to walk a tightrope weird little kid but whatever (laughs) and he goes into this meeting room and he's kind of like behind like this little sectional thing just kind of hiding back there and in comes this big group of women uh it's you know the big group of the royal society for the prevention of cruelty to children (laughs) they all come in there and now luke is kind of trapped partly he's trapped because he notices one of them has purple eyes he picks out that they're witches early on we see that uh, and so he's kind of stuck there you know if he was smart he would have just bolted right away while, while rowan atkinson was still in the room but he was kind of he's kind of trapped by fear i can get that yeah and here we get to me one of the most memorable scenes like this is where the movie sticks in my brain at least mm-hmm. like i remember a lot about this film but the witches all start you know, now they're, they've locked the doors and they're all kind of, they think it's just them in there. Uh, and so they start removing their shoes and we kind of see that they don't have any toes and they remove their ma- their wigs and the Grand High Witch removes her mask and like particularly the Grand High Witch looks 
hideous. Yeah. Like, she looks, honestly, almost like a big rat. But she's <laughs> yeah. got this huge nose and, like, these huge ears and, like, kind of, like, boils and warts all over her face. Yeah. Those prosthetics, the boils that they have on all the other witches' heads and whatnot, to me, I really, really remember that. And, and particularly, it's Angelica Houston, the Grand High Witch. Yeah. And her look. Yeah. But... She is fucking giving it to the other witches. Like she is bitching them out, <laughs> telling them that they're they're not doing good enough, and only killing one child a week is not enough. Gotta <laughs> like make they, they've gotta gotta make quota. As, yeah, as you say, gotta make that quota. Yeah. <laughs> um, and actually, I think we even see the witch from earlier who was trying to get uh, Luke. Uh-huh. Like in a previous scene, she's there as well. Yep. But basically, the the Grand High Witch she calls for the death of every single child in England. She wants to kill them all. My orders are that every child in England shall be rubbed out, destroyed. Every single child eliminated. <gasps> Do I make myself clear? We get a fun little thing, in my opinion, of where this kind of one witch kind of disagrees. She doesn't even really disagree. She's like skeptical uh, about the situation. Like, we can't kill all of them. The Grand High Witch shows her powers. It's like, oh no, fuck you. I'm not dealing with this bullshit. And she like laserizes <laughs> that, that witch to death. Yeah. <laughs> she, she just fucking zaps her. I don't know if you noticed, I 100% saw some men dressed as women oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, as witches in the yes. group. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely men dressed as women. I, th- I think that was just to make them look uglier. Yeah, probably. <laughs> hey, some of us guys are pretty good looking. <laughs> but yeah, I think you're right. I think it's just to kind of make them look uh, less feminine. But the Grand High Witch brought up, she has this whole plan. And it's to, she wants all of these witches to buy candy shops so that they can have access to children easier uh, to kill them. And she wants to use this magic formula. They're smart. Witches don't just like, you know, kill people with blunt weapons or right. poison in this kind of thing so she has a magic formula formula 86 <laughs> basically what it does is it turns children into mice uh, with a delayed reaction mm-hmm. and so they're kind of smart because you know witches don't want to get caught because if they get caught you know they'll get found out and you know they'll basically end up getting exterminated or the person who did the killing you know will die so they have to do they have to do a much smarter way and using a magic formula to turn someone into a mouse who will then pretty much get exterminated or stomped on or whatever later right fairly smart plan that's why she's the grand high witch that yeah it makes total sense uh she tells everybody that she gave a chocolate bar to this rather hungry kid who we knew who we know is bruno who was the kid that we met earlier mm-hmm. just because the way she's talking about him it's uh it's 100 bruno and as far as we've seen there are only two kids in this hotel yeah <laughs> that's very true um but she's gonna use him as an example uh to show how this formula works bruno enters and i've gotta call this out this is the weirdest thing as bruno is entering and he walks up Angelica Houston is doing like this weird movement with her oh body. My gosh. Please tell me you saw this. It was so fucking hot, dude. <laughs> it, oh yeah, no, she looked hot as hell. She looked well. Okay, first we need to state she puts. But it was creepy because it was like sexual, and and, and this kid was walking up. She puts the mask back on. They all put their mask back on for the kid, and then she's like, she's like gyrating. Yeah. Like she's like almost orgasming as she's talking to this kid, waiting for him to turn. But it's yeah. a low shot on her, and she's wearing this really low V-neck cut dress. And I'm not gonna lie, Angelica Houston in 1990, she looked hot. Oh, yeah, absolutely. She's a beautiful woman. Um, and, and, you know. And then she yeah. took the mask off. <laughs> and then she took the mask off, and they're like, ugh. But, yeah, no, I mean, I don't remember 
uh, Angelica Houston being, you know, such a, a sexual thing. I mean, obviously yeah. with, with the Adams family, you know, she kind of was yeah. as well. And this was right before the Adams family. I think it was only a year before the Adams family. Yeah, but you're right. Like it was a very sexual gyration <laughs> as as Bruno came up. And I was I creepily thought the same thing as you was just like Damn, that looks good. <laughs> yeah. I kind of like. I kind of weirdly like it. I mean, as an adult, as a kid, I probably you know it's like, oh, this is weird. This is creepy. Yeah. As an adult, I'm like, I'm enticed. <laughs> but yeah, she looked really good in that. But anyway, it was it was a very weird fucking thing because yeah. it was a child uh, that you know she was yeah. she she was getting. I think, and I'm sure her motivation was she was going to get so much pleasure out of the death of this kid that she couldn't like help but do that motion. Yeah. So it was weird, but yeah, I'm glad you noticed it too. (laughs) It's kind of hard not to notice it, but they do this whole countdown to the exact moment where the kid's going to, where Bruno is going to turn into a mouse. Five! I can't even see any chocolate! We get this good, these good puppets and this good, uh, like prosthetic scene as Bruno is kind of like convulsing, and it's kind of creepy. You know, as a kid, I found it creepy. As an adult, you know, it's definitely not creepy. Right. It's kind of almost humorous, but he's turning into a mouse, and the formula works, and Bruno kind of has to scurry out of there. And the thing that I actually found annoying was the entire time that this is happening, well, before he starts turning into a uh, to a mouse, Bruno's just demanding food the entire time. That's <laughs> well, like, she did promise him six chocolate bars. Like, that I know, was the thing. but like, even as obviously she's not paying attention to him, he's still standing there yeah. demanding his food. Oh, he's a little shit. Like, yeah. You don't feel that bad for Bruno. Right. <laughs> he, he is a little, he's a little, and his parents are assholes too, as we'll find out later. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Bruno ends up kind of like escaping into the walls or whatever. You know, all the women are excited. And so they're kind of like ending their meeting. But then finally, one of the witches is, I guess, close enough and she smells Luke, which I found really weird that it took this long for them to smell Luke in right. the room. Because I think even earlier, the grandma said that, you know, they can smell you from like a far ways away. And he wasn't that far away. No, he was pretty. I mean, uh, he was within spitting distance of the Grand High Witch and she didn't smell him. With that big old schnoz. Yeah, she I definitely know. should have been able to smell him. Uh, but they finally smell him and uh, Luke tries to escape. And actually he does. He escapes out of the hotel. He gets out of there. And so he's kind of like running, you know, in the countryside, just kind of trying to get trying to get away from him. And... Another shot in the little scene that I definitely remember is the Grand High Witch is at like the top of this little hill and she sees a baby carriage and she just fucking pushes the carriage over the hill. Yep. And it's just like, damn, I forgot just kind of how evil this bitch is. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Luke ends up catching the crib before it goes over the cliff and uh, he kind of keeps escaping. Like he's a squirmy little bastard, so good (laughs) for him. Yeah, but he ends up making it back to his hotel room, and uh, unfortunately, the grandma is asleep. And actually, the Grand High Witch is there, and they capture Luke. 
Yep. They end up, you know, taking him back to that conference room and they force him to take Formula 86. And he now convulses and he turns into a mouse. We see and they have a, a you know, a little Luke puppet mouse. And, you know, he's he's talking. He's kind of like he's got like a little, you know, he's a puppet puppet mouth and whatnot. And he's right. talking. It's a good puppet. I really like I like the, the mouse puppets in this film. Yeah, it was a good job. Uh, it's, it's It was believable in scale. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, today it would be easier and look better if it was CG and I think that would be fine if they redid this film. Right. But for what it was then, it was cute and it and it worked well. Yeah. And it worked really well, I think, uh, in correlation with the very good prosthetics that they used for, you know, changing people into mice. Right, yeah. All the witches try to stomp on Luke, but he ends up getting away. So, that's good. He kind of ends up going into like the, I guess the same crevice or whatever that uh Bruno went into. He meets up with Bruno and they're kind of talking with each other which is just kind of cute i don't know i like when he's not screaming for his grandma i think (laughs) luke has a really cute voice for this film fair enough we see the grandma kind of woke up and so she's kind of now looking for luke and luke and bruno are trying to make their way back to the hotel room at one point bruno wants to go talk to his dad but luke is luke is a smart little little fucker too because he knows that the dad is just gonna like you know stomp on on bruno if they actually went up to him but so they end up going back to Luke's room and as they get in the door, the grandma actually sees, you know, one of the cleaning ladies and that she has purple eyes. Now the grandma knows that there's witches in this hotel for sure. Yeah. Luke ends up calling for his grandmother and she can hear him. He kind of just basically catches her up on the whole story that he's been turned into a mouse and there's these witches and there's the Grand High Witch here and et cetera, et cetera. And Luke kind of formulates this plan that uh, he wants to find the formula, Formula 86, from the Grand High Witch's room, and he wants to feed it to the witches at their dinner that night. He's a smart, conniving little kid. Yeah, he is. He he comes up with this plan pretty quickly. And honestly, the grandma, even though she's a little bit skeptical, she's like, all right, fuck it, kid. (laughs) Let's do this. And... (laughs) So she lowers him in like this knit sock because perfectly the Grand High Witch's room is directly below theirs. So that just kind of is a bit, a bit coincidental. A little convenient. Yeah, a little convenient and lowers him down there. And wouldn't you know it, witches love cats. And so it has a cat that tries to eat. And it's just kind of a funny, cute little scene of it trying to get him and Luke being scared. And then the grandmother using the knit sock to kind of distract the cat. And eventually Luke finds the hidden formula Uh, in this book, and he takes one away. But at this time, the Grand High Witch comes into the room, and uh, I just kind of, I found it funny, the name of the cat was Liebchen, uh, which in German, I took took German in high school. Liebchen is kind of like sweetheart or deer or honey, something like that. So just like, oh, my little, my little love, my little sweetheart, Liebchen. (laughs) But it does show that the witch, you know, the Grand High Witch is also German. And so, you know, uh, that the grandmother is too so i guess you know they definitely met somewhere in germany i assume right but luke ends up escaping the room with the formula and he makes it back to uh, the grandmother's room luke the grandmother and bruno all end up heading to the bar because bruno knows his parents love to drink before dinner (laughs) they're big old drinkers uh what a wonderful family unit they are (laughs) and the grandmother tries to convince bruno's parents that Bruno's been turned into a mouse, but they don't believe her. Um, basically, the dad is a bit of an asshole. Yeah. That's that's pretty much about it. That's <laughs> his entire story arc is, I'm an asshole, and then I'm less of an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of this. 
kind of a, a somewhat funny scene of uh, uh, this other kind of random maid that we that we see is kind of like sleeping around with Rowan Atkinson with the with the hotel manager when she was cleaning up the the Grand High Witch's room. She sees this formula in the books and she thinks it's perfume and she kind of ends up putting it on her. Uh-huh. I found it funny um, because that, that is a little it's a bit of a humor that pays off later. Yeah. Which I don't know if she ever gets that fixed or if she's going to be having a hairy neck the rest of her life. I say after after we see the slight change, we don't ever see her again, I don't think. Yeah. 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 Does does she end up fully turning into a, a, a mouse or does she just have spots of being a mouse there like on her neck and chest? Uh, who knows? And then she's, she's going to have to pay for some laser surgery <laughs> down the line. And that shit's that shit's not cheap, John. I wouldn't know. <laughs> so uh, the Grand High Witch is uh, starting their banquet. There's just kind of this weird little scene of that she tells her secretary, which we saw her secretary kind of walk in with her at the big meeting. And, and honestly, the secretary seemed just as evil as everyone else at that time. Yeah. But here, the secretary, basically the wit, the Grand High Witch says, no, you know, you're, you're not allowed to eat with us. You have to work. And, you know, basically telling her that she has to work. And we get like, just a quick little line from the secretary saying like oh fuck this i quit something like that right it really wasn't a good setup for the secretary what happens later with her yeah 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 like the the full switch on the on the secretary and then also just like why she quits like this is the first time i mean granted she's a grand high witch she's also a grand high bitch hey oh it's not a shock that this is probably not the first of it it's probably like the last straw but honestly it kind of her quitting kind of comes out of nowhere yeah really. i agree and then the switch that happens later comes even more out of nowhere. Yeah, definitely. But anyway, so all the grand, all, all the witches are, you know, kind of setting up their uh, their dinner, and Luke is uh, in the kitchen. He's trying to, you know, continue their plan for him to put the formula in their food, and he overhears that they're all going to eat this soup, cress soup. Yeah, I have no idea. I've never heard of cress soup. It's, it's a watercress. Oh, okay. Well, that's not that exciting. Yeah. <laughs> Watercress are kind of boring. Yeah. Well, witches love crest soup, so <laughs> good good for them. He's running around the kitchen, and honestly, that hotel's kitchen was disgusting, and it would yeah. get like an F rating. Yeah. You see people, you see like, uh, you know, chefs like licking the spoons and using food off the ground and, and other shit like that. And actually, at one point, Luke gets seen, and he gets his tail chopped off by, or by like this... Uh, carving knife i would bet you ten dollars that that chef didn't wash off the knife with the blood and he just kind of kept carving kept chopping. it <laughs> yeah but it's a cute little scene honestly I, I i totally remember like when he gets his tail chopped off and kind of being seen and having to run through the kitchen and how to escape and shit like that yeah but he does get the formula into the soup so good for him he got it all in there and the chef, who's actually also a witch, the chef who's making the crest soup very conveniently is also a witch. And so at one point she like tastes the soup to make sure it's good. I think it's the same witch who was the... Oh, the, the cleaning lady? Cleaning lady, yes. I think it's the same woman. Okay, yeah. She, so she does everything at that hotel. Yeah. Because she was kind of like a hostess, uh, and then she's also a cleaning lady, and she's also a chef. So uh, they, they need to staff up a little bit more, it looks <laughs> like. They probably picked that hotel because she worked there, mm-hmm. and then she just forced her way into every situation to make sure that there was control. Okay. All right, fine. That's logical. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to bring logic into it. It's, yeah. <laughs> well, 
<laughs> but the chef uh, starts turning into a mouse and, you know, she kind of like steps away and she kind of has her quick little turn into a mouse scene. And then she runs out to the banquet to try and like warn him. And the Grand High Witch just fucking like stomps on her and you get this green blood squish. And I definitely <laughs> remember that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's good. All the witches now are eating the crest soup and Luke kind of hides in this dustpan and he kind of gets out all part of the plan that he had with his grandmother. Another good quick little scene, the like Bruno's dad being a complete asshole wants to have the soup that everyone else is having because he's got a little boner for Angelica Houston that you kind of see from an earlier scene. (laughs) Yeah. Which their marriage is a fucking awful marriage. Like I hope (laughs) she divorces him or whatever. They they just should not be together. Yeah. uh, Bruno's parents. But anyway, the grandmother like smacks the spoon out of his hand and uh, stops him from eating. And basically at this point she shows Bruno to the dad who starts talking to him. And the dad's kind of like awestruck, Uh uh, like, Oh my God. Uh, that's kind of a surprise. But he also, he, he takes it very well, <laughs> I want to yeah. say. The mother, not so much. <laughs> yeah, the mother, no. Definitely not the mother. But the dad is just like, oh, my son's a mouse. Oh, how, how, oh hi, Bruno. It's like, <laughs> oh, shit. But all the witches who have been eating that soup, you know, they're all now turning into a mo- to, into different mice and they're convulsing and you're getting like, you know, this, you know, this gas kind of going around. This right here is probably the scene that I remember more than anything else in the entire film <laughs> is particularly all the witches turning into mice. Yes. Because you get tons of prosthetics. You get just tons of and it looks good and like kind of those kind of like those half transformation kind of like you know with the American werewolf in Paris kind of thing like you see different stages of the transformation you get that with this film of them right. turning into mice i will say the grand high witch turns into the ugliest fucking like hairless mouse <laughs> yeah, hairless rat looks more like I've a rat seen. than a mouse yeah yeah it is gross and i remember it looking gross and it definitely stayed in my mind as at utterly disgusting yeah and actually the grandmother tells the hotel manager to kill it, and he kind of has like a carving knife or a, or a big butcher's butcher's knife, and ends up killing the Grand High Witch with that. And yeah, Bruno is returned to his parents. All the witches are dead. They all die. There's a whole exterminator kind of thing, uh-huh. you know, that you just kind of assume. I mean, all the witches now are mice at least, so they really can't do much. Um, so you just kind of assume all the witches are dead in England. Now the secretary is the only witch left in England because yep. we kind of see her kind of walking around and she's the only one left. Grandma and Luke are back at their place in England. There's just kind of this cool, like, massive tunnel system that they set up for Luke and he can, like, walk around. It looked almost like Mousetrap, like the game, (laughs) honestly. So that was kind of cool. And Luke, the ever, the fucking smart kid that he is, Uh he basically stole a bunch of money from the Grand High Witch and had it sent to them. And so they now have like millions of dollars and they want to start a witch hunt and they want to go to America and just fuck up all the witches in America, (laughs) which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. But that night, the secretary shows up outside their place. And at first, you're not really sure about her intentions. Right. Like there's some scary music maybe. And it seems like, oh my God, is she going to try and get revenge and kill Luke? But instead... She turns him back into a boy. Yes. I, and that was kind of weird. Yeah. And so she kind of flips to being good. Um, but di- I could have sworn when I was watching Luke turn from rat into boy that I almost saw some little boy peen. Uh, Jesus. It, did you did you notice it? It looked I I, I, no. I went like frame I went frame by frame and it wasn't I don't think I don't think 
But it really, uh, for a second, that's why I, I had to go back and step through it because I was just like, oh my God, did I just see a little, you know, nine-year-old penis on on my movie. No, I didn't notice. Actually, I was more entrenched in the fact that I realized that what he was sleeping in was the uh, Ghostbusters building toy that came out in like the late 80s. Oh, <laughs> that's awesome. I was like, oh yeah, that's the Ghostbusters toy. I always wanted one of those. And then all of a sudden he was a boy. It was their firehouse? That's really cool. Yeah, it was their firehouse. So the good witch now she's just this random good witch. We don't even I don't even fucking know her name, but she's the secretary. Yeah, and she actually ends up also returning the original mice to Luke, who I completely forgot about his other mice. Yeah, like <laughs> I didn't honestly even need them, but whatever. And kind of Luke, you know, does like this little oh, don't forget about Bruno, turn him back into a human too, and that's the end of the film. That's it. We moved pretty quick through that one, I think. Yeah. It feels it feels a little weird because it feels like it doesn't feel like as much of a journey as I as I would normally would in a movie like there was no like you know there was no turn before the third act type thing. Yeah, yeah. It was just sort of he gets turned into a mouse, he figures out he's going to poison them, he poisons them and then that's it. They get stomped out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's I mean it's the whole movie is an hour and a half, so it's like a proper feature length film length. But it, it moves pretty quickly, in my opinion. And yeah, like there's, I agree. Like you don't get like the slow moments. You're just kind of like, you fucking, you go through the story, and it's just wham, bam, and it's done. Well, it feels <laughs> it feels like the first like twenty to maybe even thirty minutes of the film is all of that setup. Yeah, they do a lot of talking about witches. Yeah. So by the time we actually get to the hotel, we're probably close to like close to thirty minutes in. Yeah. Yeah. If not more. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Which almost makes it feel like a separate movie because that's when the action stuff really starts to happen. Yeah. Well, let's just go ahead with our final thoughts of the film. Okay. Uh, I'll go ahead and start. I thought it was still a really cute story. Like, um, we, I wanted to use this film like for our Halloween episode because I kind of, I remember watching this as a kid and I remember thinking it was creepy and kind of scary and, you know, and being like, you know, not fully scared, but creeped out by the scary faces and like them turning into mice uh, and the witches mm-hmm. convulsing and turning into mice. You know, that just shows the fantastic work of Jim Henson productions. Yeah. Like they did a great job. Like all that stuff looks really good. And this was uh this was the last movie Jim Henson personally oversaw before he before he passed. Mm. Cuz he passed in 1990. Yeah. So yeah, that that makes sense. So it would have been they would have worked on it in 89 or around then. Yeah. So, that's very cool. Honestly, I'm probably never going to watch this movie again on my own. Right. You know, maybe I'll just make a gif of Angelica Houston doing her creepy little <laughs> movement, and I'll just watch that gif over and over and over again. Uh, but I would 100% show this movie to a kid. Uh, if I was, like, babysitting or, you know, whatever, hanging out with a little kid and they wanted to, sh- like, put on, like, you know, a, a somewhat scary but really not scary movie... This would be a perfect, cute little story to do with that. Yeah. Um, so I, I actually, for my nostalgic value, I actually really enjoyed watching the film. As a film itself, it's nothing special. Right. But I thought it was cute as fuck. And it, it made me kind of, you know, that nostalgic, happy side of my brain kind of keep going. And it's it's cute enough that I would absolutely recommend it to any child. Yeah, I went, uh, I watched this thinking, 
uh, that it was going to suck. I was th- I, I watched it thinking, okay, I'm going to watch this, and it's not going to be nearly as good as I remember, and it's just going to suck. And I was pleasantly surprised. It wasn't as bad. Again, I'm like you. I will probably never. I would never watch this again by myself. I, I would probably watch it with my kids if they wanted to mm-hmm. watch it. Yeah, I could. I would bet your kids would probably like enjoy it. I think it's a, it's be a fun one to watch with yeah. them. You know, I mean, it was. It's worth going back to see. I would say it's worth going back to see. Um, if if you have kids or or if you you know you have kids around you, uh, show watch it with kids. And then and then just start moving like Angelica Houston. <laughs> just just start creepily like you know orgasming like she did. That was that was so creepy. That'll go over well. <laughs> yeah. Now we're going to talk about Goosebumps, the show that ran from 1995 to 1998. It lasted for four seasons, 74 episodes, and it ran on Fox Kids. This show, obviously by the name you can tell, was based on the massively popular Goosebumps uh, kids book series, which were written by R.L. Stein, um, and actually... He was also credited as the creator of the show, and he actually hosted a few of the episodes. Did you see any of the episodes that he hosted? Yeah, I watched. Um, I, well, it was like two or three of them, but it was a it was a back to back series of them, mm-hmm, like the Haunted Mask. It was the oh, it was the the Night of the Dummies three or something oh, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Night of the Night of the Living Dummy. Night of the Living Dummy three. Yeah, yeah. R.L. Stein. He only ended. I saw uh, he was only credited as hosting like twelve of the episodes, uh-huh. which. I'm glad they stopped because that guy has absolutely no personality whatsoever. <laughs> Agreed. He might be a good writer, but fuck, he was terrible on screen. If you the right now they are on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the ones that he the ones that he was in were are listed under specials, not under the regular uh season. Yeah, and they were they were pretty much all like um multi-parter yeah. episodes as well. Yeah. Uh, I ended up watching maybe like four of them. You know, the main the main premise of like the books and also like the show obviously is it's all like centered around kind of kids and teenagers uh, and they kind of get into these scary situations. Yeah. I ended up watching quite a few of them actually. Oh, nice. I, my inf- initial intent was just to, was to watch one from each season. Okay. I was like, all right, I can sit through four of them. I'll watch one from each season. Yeah. And they're all, I mean, they're all like 30 minutes episode each, so they're nothing crazy. Well, then my kids came into the room, and both of my kids have watched almost all of these on Netflix. Oh, really? Yes, they've seen almost all of them, especially my son. He loves Goosebumps. That's his, that's one of his favorite things right now. The second movie just came out, and they went to go see that. Okay. The, the newer, you know, the, the newer Jack Black one. And so he, once we got into it, we we ended up going down the rabbit hole because he was like, "You got to play this one, Daddy. You got to play this one." <laughs> we go, so we ended up watching a lot of them. Okay. Uh, way more than I had intended, um, and some of them were multi-parters, so it was like the same story going through the whole thing. But yeah, I I ended up watching probably close to ten episodes. Okay. The original book series uh, of like the original like classic Goosebumps, there were sixty-two books in all. In total, if you include spinoff series, because they had like a bunch of different, like you know, extra different types of like Goosebumps books as well, they there was a total of uh, two hundred and thirty-one books. Jeez! And this book series has sold over four hundred million copies in the like of the total of the series. Uh-huh. It's the second best-selling book series of all time. 
Is it behind like Harry Potter? I was just say it's got to be Harry Potter. Yeah, it's only behind Harry Potter. That's ridiculous. That this. I mean, granted, there's like 200 books if you include all this spinoff, but like right selling that many copies and being the second best series of all time is pretty insane. Yeah, and still going. I think. Yeah, I mean, it's sold more copies. You know, they've sold as a series more copies than like Lord of the Rings and, right. and the Hobbit and like you know. Uh, the Cimmerillion and all that kind of shit, like right. all that that series, <laughs> right? Which no one read the Cimmerillion except my wife, <laughs> yeah, she, who knows she's intense with her shit with, the, yeah. with the Lord of the Rings. She, uh, she, I think she's read everything Lord of the Rings related. And actually, I remember we had a few of the books. Uh, I definitely had read a few of these. I don't know if you did. I didn't read any of them. I don't remember reading okay. any of them. Yeah, no, I I specifically remember reading Welcome to Dead House. Uh, I remember reading Why I'm Afraid of Bees because I I had that I definitely had that book, uh, and I believe uh, we also had Night of the Living Dummy and The Haunted Mask. At least I did. Uh, the show itself was produced in Canada, and you know, kind of similar when we talked about Are You Afraid of the Dark. That show was also produced in Canada, and so I guess when it comes to kids' scary shit. Canada knows how to produce <laughs> your shit. But I found it kind of funny. You can kind of tell that it was from Canada because every now and then you would get like an accent from like one of the one of the <laughs> actors. Of actors. Like I remember I remember hearing, "Oh, I'm sorry." Instead of "I'm sorry." <laughs> right. It's like, "Sorry." And I'm like, "Oh, wow. That's fucking Canada." <laughs> The opening sequence, I want to talk about the opening sequence real quick. Like, I definitely remember this. I I watched this show. I I don't know if you watched this show all that much as a kid. I definitely did. I, if I watched it, it was probably because you were watching it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that, that opening sequence, I totally remember. Like, you get this man, like, who is obviously R.L. Stein from his briefcase, and it kind of opens up in these letters, and, like, you know, this paper uh, starts leaving the briefcase, and, like, you get these floating letters like flying through the streets culminating in goosebumps right um and you kind of get like this kind of you know kind of get creepy music going on it's pretty decent music and there's uh, a yeah, kind of like a, a, a voiceover going on as well right you know at the end like you know you know beware kind of thing For the shows itself, like I thought there was good use of music and good, pretty decent sound design. Uh, particularly, I think the music was pretty, pretty well done in this show. Yeah, that it just it kind of worked. Um, it was honestly better than a lot of other scary shows. Like I thought it was better produced than Are You Afraid of the Dark? Uh-huh. Yeah, I'd agree with I'd agree with that. Yeah, like re- watching watching both of those, like kind of comparing the two of them, I would say Goosebumps was the better made show. Yeah, production value was okay. Uh, the graphics were awful. Like, if, if you had to watch anything that actually used, like, computer graphics, right. they were fucking terrible. But it was it was the mid-90s, and it was yeah. a cheap TV budget, so I'm not going to rip it apart too much. Cause, uh, I watched The Night of the Living Dummy as well. Uh, Night of the Living Dummy 3, I mean. I watched that, both of those episodes. I watched both of the, um, the Haunted Mask episodes. Uh, and I watched The Girl Who Cried Monster, I think is what it was the called. The very first one? Yeah, the very first that, one. I watched that one too, and I was bored with it until the twist happened at the end, and I was like, yeah, where the yeah. fuck did this come from? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, 
like if I was a kid, I would I would find these enjoyable, and I kind of find it you know interesting that your kids have watched this series, um, and if especially if they've read the books, like you said, your son has. Uh, I think it I think this show kind of holds up. You know, it, it's fun. It's good for kids. Like you know, you don't get a bunch of children's horror anymore. Right. I feel like I feel like we've had that and it's gone. But like it, it still makes sense and. Uh, this show really does a fantastic job of that. So I'm not going to really go back and rewatch this personally, but I definitely have a respect, obviously, for these books. Like, the, it's incredible, like, you know, the amount that it's made people read. Yeah. Um, and being like a horror series on top of that is just kind of interesting. You know, I, I still respect the, the show. I think the show was pretty fucking solid. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it was... Uh... It, I, I I didn't really remember it all that much because I don't I remember I didn't really watch it too much as a, as a as a kid. But I honestly I had a lot more fun watching it with my kids than I did when mm-hmm. I was in the first couple episodes that I watched by myself. You know, it wasn't horrible. I thought it was I I agree. I thought it was a little bit better than Are You Afraid of the Dark? And it was definitely better than some of the other sort of mid '90s you know live action shows that we've talked about before. It was fine enough. And if you if you if you are a fan of the books or the show, it's worth a rewatch. Yeah. Absolutely. Maybe not all the episodes, but some, you know, maybe some of the bigger ones. If, yeah, if you remember, like, you know, a favorite story or so, yeah. go check that one out. And it just kind of, it kind of makes you happy. It kind of works pretty well. Yeah. The only thing that made me laugh a little bit was on any of the dummy stuff, whenever it went from a, a dummy to the moving <laughs> dummy, it was clearly yeah. a little person in a mask. <laughs> yes, it was, it was a kid or a little person in a mask. And it was just, it looked, it looked pretty shitty. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. You know. I, I saw that. Yeah. But if you can if you can get past that, it was enjoyable. All right. Well, that was our super scary <laughs> review of Goosebumps. This episode of the Blast from Our Past podcast is brought to you by Mousetrap. Hey, hey, get that back. Mouse trouble? Then you need Mousetrap. Mousetrap, I guarantee it's the craziest trap you'll ever see. The first to capture everyone else's mouse is the winner. Just turn the crank and snap the plank and boot the marble right down the chute. Now watch it roll and hit the pole and knock the ball in the rubber up tub, which puts the man into the pan. The trap is set. Here comes the net. Ouch! Mousetrap, I guarantee it's the craziest trap you'll ever see. I I knew you were a winner. Mousetrap from Milton Bradley. All right, and now we're going to do our scary modern movie monsters casting. Ooh. I don't think any of the monsters will make that now. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, so this is going to be kind of a short list. Uh, we were going to be doing uh, Freddy from Nightmare on Elm Street, Pinhead from The Hellraiser, Michael Myers from Halloween, Leatherface from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Is that right? Yep, correct. And Jason from Friday the 13th. I'm not going to lie, I was a little confused because three of these characters, you don't actually see their faces the whole movie. Yeah, so I think we should actually probably start with the the masked people because really the the best castings are going to be Freddy and Pinhead. Right. Because they're they're also the most, like, expressive. <laughs> no one, the, the, the three people with just masks are not really expressive, particularly Michael Myers and Jason, don't say anything. Right. <laughs> So this was kind of a shitty casting. And so, you know, 
give us, you know, come on, people, uh, give us a break. <laughs> we, we try, we're giving you a lot of castings here, and we fucked up on this one, and you can blame me for this. But I didn't, I didn't realize it until I started doing the casting. I was like, oh, fuck, that doesn't matter. Oh, that person doesn't matter. Oh, you could have anybody for this. And it's just like, oh, shit. All right. So, yeah, I'd say we, we, we start backwards okay. and end on, like, Freddy, because Freddy is, like, he's the coolest one of these. Yeah. Let's, uh, all right, so we'll start with Jason. I am going to be honest with you. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Uh, mo- pretty much my casting for the three with the mask. I just went to the WWE and found the biggest guys I could. (laughs) (laughs) I think that makes a lot of sense. I don't think Leatherface needs to be a huge dude, but but Michael Myers is fairly big, and definitely Jason can be a big fucking guy, so yeah. So uh, I went ahead and cast uh, a man named Mark Calloway as Jason, and you would know him as The Undertaker. Yeah. I mean, I like that casting because The Undertaker's fucking cool. Yeah. And he makes sense being in a horror movie like this. And he's a big dude. He's like, I think he's almost seven feet. Yeah. Yeah. He is. He is a huge dude. Actually, I'm pretty sure all three people I chose were like (laughs) 6'10 or higher. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's monstrous. Uh, I... I, I like The Undertaker. I think he's somewhat underutilized, but but honestly, anybody's going to be underutilized in these roles right. because they just put a mask on him and have him walk around slowly. Right. So, John, good casting. I highly approve <laughs> of The Undertaker here. Okay. I went with an actor who... Uh, I kind of went with size again. Uh, he's a fairly tall guy. He's definitely not Undertaker size. But he's pretty tall, and Jason has got, like, you know, like a decent body. He doesn't have to be a huge guy. Like, he doesn't have to be, like, super muscular. Uh-huh. You know, he has to be, like, big. Right. But not, like, you don't have to be, I'm not, like, talking Arnold. You don't want, like, an Arnold ripped dude. Right. But someone like The Undertaker who still has, like, some fat to him, you know, a little bit, and he's not, like, super ripped, but he is just big. Uh, so I kind of went with a big guy. He was in... Pacific Rim Uprising, but I remember him most because I'm a fan of the show Spartacus. Uh, he played Agron. Uh, I went with Daniel Feuerriegel. Uh, and yeah, you're probably not going to know who he is. And honestly, he doesn't really have to act all that much. And I just, I, I picked him for his body type. I think he has a decent enough body type to play Jason uh, and not really talk. But yeah, so Daniel Feuerriegel. <laughs> Or Feuerriegel. I'm not sure. Yeah. Feuerriegel? I don't know. It's hard to say. Okay. Sure. Are you... <laughs> I know. You're not going to. Well, it's. I mean, I don't. I, I, okay, I, he's only 6'2. I, I thought he was. I think he was taller, but 6'2 well, six six two two is enough. 6'2 is enough. I just. Most of the pictures I'm seeing are not him, like, next to people. So it's hard to make a comparison. But. Well, check out. Check out, uh, like, his Spartacus pictures yeah he looks he looks like a hard guy i mean i could i could believe it i mean you know most of jason's covered up anyway but no that seems seems fine to me okay i'll take fine because really we're getting to pinhead and freddy right uh all right so let's move on to leatherface uh i'm going i'm not going to lie to you this is the one out of all of these that i know the least about i'm 100 with you i've i don't think i've ever seen a texas chainsaw massacre film same yeah, uh, this this that never really appealed to me. I've seen I've seen actually multiple of the Friday the Thirteenth, so I've seen multiple Jason ones. I've seen uh, multiple of the Nightmare on Elm Street stuff with Freddy. I've even seen 
um, a Hellraiser, uh, and and definitely saw a couple of the Halloweens. Right. But I have, yeah, never seen the Texas Chainsaw. I haven't either. So I didn't know really what to go with. So as I mentioned, I went with another big guy. <laughs> Leatherface seems like he's sort of like a, a horror redneckish thingy, <laughs> yeah. or like you know, it's Texas. You know, you gotta have a. So uh, I actually cast someone I've used before. Uh, I went with Paul White, otherwise known as the Big Show. You want if you wanted a Texas guy, why not go with Stone Cold Steve Austin? <laughs> He's from Texas. Because because uh, the Big Show is bigger? He is bigger. He's <laughs> definitely bigger. He's definitely more intimidating, and he would be creepy as fuck if he had like a leather face mask on and a chainsaw, and he was coming after you. Yeah, I, I he would scare the shit out of me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. This is so... This is, this is really, really good entertainment that we are bringing to people right now and i feel bad i am sorry <laughs> i hope i hope you all enjoy halloween uh and so maybe you can find enjoyment out of this this episode because fuck this is this is not our best casting <laughs> we, we are grasping at straws at this point yeah <laughs> but okay Cool. Like that call. Uh, I just kind of picked someone that I liked and I want to see more of. The guy I went with is, is fairly tall, actually about as tall as the guy I cast for uh, Jason. He's about 6'2". Okay. Um, but he is, he is an actor I just kind of want to see more of. Uh, he was in Jurassic World. He did some motion capture for Transformers The Last Night. But I recognize him best as Bishop from X-Men Days of Future Past. Oh. I went with Omar Sy. Okay, I you know what I I kind of liked the bishop that was like I liked the look of him. You, oh, he looked fantastic you, as a bit as you don't, bishop. You don't see him do much. No, he dies pretty quick. Yeah, he doesn't quickly. talk or anything, which it sucks because I I really loved the character of bishop in the comics. Yeah, bishop was pretty a complex character. Yeah, who yeah I mean came from the future and was trying to change the past so he his future would never happen. And he was a cool kind of guy. And they, yeah, they they nailed the look, or they they made the look really awesome. Yeah, I wish they had done. We could have had more of him yeah. somewhere because I, I like that. But no, I like that call. Now now you get more of him as your Leatherface. <laughs> uh. All right. So and now for someone who's just now also having another movie come out. Yes. Uh, for the the uh, Halloween, and that is Michael Myers. Yes, but it's not really. I mean, it's not a reboot. It's a continuation. You still no, get it's a Jamie, continuation. Yeah, you still get Jamie Lee Curtis. Although I uh, I looked and maybe I didn't, maybe I missed it, but I could not find anyone credited for playing Michael Myers, and I think maybe they just found a big guy and didn't actually credit him as playing Michael Myers because I I tried finding it, I couldn't find anyone. Okay, I don't know. So, uh, not for like the originals. I mean, for this recent one that's coming up. Just for the, yeah. So again, I just went with a big guy. This one you could um, you could make a case for because kind of because of his age. Although you know the newest Halloween is going to be an older Michael Myers. Yeah, probably. I mean, he still has that mask, that William Shatner mask. Yeah, which never ages. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. I'm here to kill you, Jamie Lee Curtis. That's my <laughs> William Shatner. Our listenership just went uh, through the roof. Yeah, <laughs> plummeted. <laughs> yes. So I went with someone uh, who recently was just elected mayor of a city in Tennessee, or a town, I should say, of, in Tennessee, because he stopped wrestling a little while back, but he's still a big guy. His name is Glenn Jacobs, but anyone who's a fan of wrestling would know him as Kane. Kane? He's a fucking mayor? He is the mayor of Knox County, Tennessee. Yeah, I, I thought he was actually still wrestling, because he's, I mean, he's been in the game almost as long as The Undertaker. Right. And he's actually done some horror movies before. Oh, 
Well, there you go. Yeah, so I think he fits really well because he, he I know he has done some acting, particularly doing uh, some horror films and shit like that. So I think that's actually a pretty good call. Oh. Uh, I don't know if you knew this, but the K- but Kane, uh, not in real life, but his wrestling persona is brothers with The Undertaker. Oh, well, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean they're about the same height, uh, honestly, and they kind of they, they both have like that evil like persona side to them, and yeah. so they kind of made them brothers. And so honestly, it would make sense. So maybe we have like a Michael Myers, Jason, you know, tag team film, and that would be fun. That'd be fun. Yeah, <laughs> I like that call. I like Kane. I grew up with wrestling. I loved, particularly, I loved WCW uh-huh. when I was in middle school and like early high school. It was the best, and so I yeah, I, but I did watch. I watched them both, and so I, I have a respect for some of those guys, and like just the physical, just the physical shit that they had to do, and like, and they had to do some acting. And no, they're not great actors, a lot of them, but you know there is a respect because no res- wrestling is scripted, but those guys fucking put their bodies on the line, and they do some intense shit, and I think it's pretty cool. So yeah, my Michael Myers, I went with an actor who also played a serial killer because Michael Myers is a very famous serial killer uh, in horror films and he carries around this big knife. And so I tried to think of who would be a good actor who could be a serial killer and probably carry around a knife. I went with Michael C. Hall who played Dexter, who was a serial killer. So he is my Michael. He's not a huge guy, but I just felt like it kind of fit. Yeah, so. that, it fits. Just uh, just find a really short actress to make him loom over. Yeah, they, exactly. <laughs> you don't know how close I was to just casting Canadian comedian Michael Myers as Michael <laughs> Myers. I was like, I was like two seconds from saying that up until I just pretty much just like, ah, no, I'll, I'll, no, Michael C. Hall. <laughs> but Michael Myers would have been hilarious. Would have been funny. <laughs> yes, Halloween, the comedy. Yeah. All right. Uh, so now to our our two unmasked, our real real castings here. Yeah, we, this is what you've been waiting for. <laughs> Everyone who has been listening up to this point, this is the real shit that you care about. Your Pinhead and your Freddy. This is where John and Adam's casting expertise really comes into play. Yeah, we can go with expertise. <laughs> uh, I'm not gonna lie. I'm I'm not overly confident in my castings. I mean, I, I went with some solid actors. Whether or not they fit the part, I don't know. So I'll go ahead and jump in with my pinhead. I had a uh, actually kind of a hard time with this one because there's not a lot of emotion there, and you're you're really just kind of going off of the shape of the face. Yeah, but pinhead is he's he's kind of cool and he's got he's got some like good lines and he's got like a yeah a, an evilish voice and I I. Pinhead, I don't think I don't I don't think he gets as much credit as he deserves. If that makes sense. No, the, I believe that it just it's not usually delivered with a lot of emotion. Oh yeah, absolutely. No, you got to be pretty like deadpan and like you know just pure evil. Right. So uh, I went with uh, an actor who just got uh, slated to play someone who is pure evil, and that is the Joker or his origin story and I picked Joaquin Phoenix as Pinhead. He has the potential to add a lot of character to Pinhead mm-hmm. if you wanted it. But I I have a feeling if he needed to play very straight, quiet evil like I'm kind of expecting with this Joker film, uh-huh. I'd be interested to see Joaquin Phoenix bald for <laughs> Pinhead. I'm yeah. sure he can make it work. Yeah. I'm honestly after looking at like the test footage and like the pictures of the Joker, I'm actually 
much more excited for that film than I was before. No, I'm not. <laughs> You're not. See, yeah. I previously I I didn't give a shit. And I was like, oh, I don't need this backstory. But seeing the picture, I was like, fuck, he looks good. Like honestly, I think he looks really good in that clown makeup. And so anything he looks creepy. And so I'm like, I'm gonna give this shit a try. Like I'm 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 kind of sold. I'm invested in Joaquin Phoenix. I will agree with you that he looks good. I just don't want an origin movie for the Joker. Yeah, I definitely don't need that, but I don't know. I'm, I'm still sold. Well, we'll see. By the time it comes out, maybe I'll have changed my mind, but we'll see. I'd say my one hesitation is that it's being, like, I think produced and directed by Todd Phillips. <laughs> I like Todd Phillips, but I only ever think of him as, like, the guy who made Old School. <laughs> and the guy who made like the hangover. Right. I have trouble thinking of him doing like a really good Joker movie. So we'll see. Maybe he'll uh, prove me wrong on that. Yeah, you never know. So cool. No, I, I like Joaquin Phoenix. I think that's he could definitely probably do something with it. When I was doing my casting here, ultimately I kind of went back to kind of like that the head and trying yeah. to like who who would look good as my pinhead. And even though I hated hated his interpretation and just the what what they did with the character of apocalypse in x-men apocalypse Uh oscar isaac is a very good actor yeah and he could pull off being bald as he showed in apocalypse because apocalypse was supposed to be huge and menacing right oscar isaac is not he's (laughs) he's thin right he's a little guy pinhead is a thinner bald guy right and i think oscar isaac has a much better look for Pinhead, and he could act however the hell you needed to because he's a good actor. So yeah, boom, I went with Oscar Isaac. I like that. I think I actually like your pick better, honestly. Cool. I think I like your pick. I think it fits better. Mm-hmm. I think it fits better. So yeah, I'll give you the win on that one. I will take it. All right, Freddy, Freddy boy. He has the most personality yeah. out of pretty much any horror monster, any villain. Yeah. Uh, well, I've pretty much jumped in first every time, so I'll just go ahead and jump in. <laughs> okay. For my Freddy, I kind of went back to an old reliable. But it, it's someone who has a lot of personality, and I think showed that when he played Ulysses Claw in Black Panther, and I went with Andy Serkis. <laughs> I, I didn't think of him because we... I know, we've I, used, I've we used him use so him many every times. fucking episode. I've used him, not every episode. It's been a while, actually, since we used him. But he was he was the first thought I had when I thought about this. Because, uh, I mean, he's got the his face, his facial features, and the way he works his face could work for yeah. Freddy. And, yeah. you know, it, the personality... The way he, he moves his for, body, yeah. he could do crazy um, shit with Freddy. And I know he kind of beefed up for Claw, but he could probably he's not he's not an overly beefy guy. I mean, no, he can he could no. he could you know be a little scrawny, not really scrawny, but thinner for it. But and I know I've used him a bunch of times, but he was honestly the first name that popped into my head, and I'm like, eh, he kind of fits. I mean, he would kill it. He would absolutely kill it. Yeah. So I I kind of copped out on this one. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I would agree on that. You know, but granted, he would he be a perfect casting? Of course he would. Yeah. And I want to say, I I never saw the movie, the more recent uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Freddy movie with Jackie Earl Haley. I, I saw the pictures, what they, how they had him look, and he did not look good to me. Right. He looked like, you know, more like just a burn victim than right. he did like, like Freddy. Right. If they would have made him look better, I still did like the casting of Jackie Earl Haley based on his interpretation of Rorschach. Yeah. I thought he, w- he was a good call. I think they just... They took the character in a different direction than I think 
was going to be successful. Yeah. So I like that call, but I didn't go with him. I went with an actor who, so Freddie is like, you know, pretty much has these burn scars all over his face and body. Uh-huh. And he's fucking crazy. And he's got a lot of personality. Yeah. A lot of personality. I do think Andy Serkis would do a fucking great job of that film um, because he's he fits everything you need to check off for a good Freddie. Mm-hmm. You would need to do that with him. But I'm actively trying to stay away from Andy Serkis right. just because right. of how, how fucking perfect he would be for <laughs> everything. So I went with an actor who I think showed a lot of these kind of aspects in a somewhat recent horror movie he did. Not really horror, a thriller movie he did uh, with M. Night Shyamalama Ding Dong. (laughs) He looks good bald and Freddy is bald with burns. But he's a fantastic actor and he actually, he acted super crazy in this film with a lot of different split personalities in the film Split. I went with James McAvoy as my Freddy. I like that. I like that. They're both good calls. I mean, maybe. I mean, honestly, Andy Serkis might be the better choice, but I think James McAvoy would be pretty damn good too. No, that's that's a that's a that's a good all I guess alternative to Andy Serkis. But I mean, you know, trying to stay away from you know ones we've used before. That's a great call. Cool. Especially you know, given I actually never saw Split, but I saw enough clips to see you know how he acted in it. I think he could totally do it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And that was our anticlimactic casting of modern movie monsters. Wasn't that fun, boys and girls? <laughs> Please join us next time for another album review episode. John and I are joined by Las Vegas rapper Guich. We review the Arrested Development album, Three Years, Five Months, and Two Days in the Life of. If you have any suggestions for movies or TV shows from your childhood, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time.